We're going to take a little departure from the book that I've been going through um, and explain a little bit why. Uh, so, um, kind of in developing some theology, I think one of the things is that we're used to, we've been raised in a Bible and Christian world. That, that's changing in the United States, but it's still very true. Uh, we know terminology, we know concepts, even a non-Christian knows some concepts. Uh, so having moved to Ukraine, there were things that I was not prepared for. I was not prepared for a completely unchurched, and I mean completely unchurched, country. Now they're all Orthodox Christians, but they don't know the first thing of what that even means. Uh, and you know, we're, we're familiar with the phrase, uh, C, you ever heard C&E Christian or a C&E Catholic Christmas and Easter? Uh, they, they would know far more of their Bible than an average Orthodox person would. Yeah, that's, that's the comparison of how... Unche- so so the, the point is that when I was over there... There were questions that they, they've never... So I'm just jumping in and diving into Bible based on these are assumptions that I have. And then, then you, you get up to a point and they'll ask a question that... Uh, here, am I? I'm on. I'm on. I know. So I've got, I've got a green light. I'm, I'm green lights go. And I tried it with both, uh, so it's not me. So I don't know what it is. Um, I just know that it's, I'm not the techno guy. So anyway, uh, for example, and I've used this illustration, um, you know, being asked, well, when you're baptized, do you have to wear clothes? Yes, yes, yes we do. Well, that, that they don't know that because they're all baptized as babies and they naked. So they, they don't know the thing about adult baptism. That's not a thing that happens there. So that's an whoa, that's a loud mic. There we go. Well, we got it working. That's good. Um, so so they, they don't have that concept, and everything is a natural question to them. So, so when I developed kind of classes for them, I'm like, I'm going to have to back way up. <laughs> And not assume anything, because I just go into these with all these assumptions of things. So, uh, so today is kind of going to be some of, uh, and, and probably next week will be a little bit of kind of where I would have backed up to, because it makes a good foundation for some of the stuff that he just rolls on through. Uh, in a college class in the United States where people come to it from a church perspective, which is fine. Um, so what, what I want to talk about then is the purpose, kind of the Old Testament, of the theological background that it, that it provides, because there is a theological background. What is its purpose? Uh, so we'll probably have, we have fewer scriptures. They're a little bit longer uh, in the reading. And, uh, and and want to go through maybe some, some concepts, uh, probably this week and next week, and then we'll get back to some of the things. Because 
it's not that he doesn't address these anywhere in his book, but they're just kind of so spread out like a little bit here and a little bit there. So instead of um, trying to, um, to compile those all into pages and whatnot, uh, for those who do have the book, um, we'll just kind of go through a, a list of scriptures here. So I want to uh, uh, start, uh, Katie, if you could read Hebrews chapter 8. Verse 5 through 11. Hebrews 8, 5 through 11. Who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle? For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. He has finding fault with them. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Okay. Oh, and then verse 12 says, uh, For I will forgive their wrongdoings, and I will never again uh, remember their sins. Um, and while we're at it, we could just keep rolling, probably through the entire book of Hebrews. Uh, but saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old is ready to pass away. So, uh, I want to look at some different concepts that are here. What are some of the things that you see in here? Uh, remembering that Hebrews is a comparison uh, for Hebrew people at that time. And helping them to understand the what the significance of the Old Testament was, but in contrast to the superiority of, of the New Testament. Um, so, so what are some concepts that you see in here that, that interest you? Okay. Wait. Okay. So, so let, let's look at that because that's an interesting thing. Do we teach our neighbors? We, shouldn't we teach our neighbors? We should, but everyone has some type of internal, I don't know, knowledge that there is a greater being. They may not know who okay. the greater being is, but. Everyone yeah. comes with. Now I've just described living in a in a a country that really doesn't know anything, right? So so um, want to look at the uh, so some say neighbor. I think some say brother. Uh, this says both. Does it? Okay. Man, man, so or man, 
All right. So, so let's go back to how a Hebrew person would look at this verse. Hebrew people, their neighbors were their brothers, right? Be- why? Why is that true? Why is a in their sense is that the... they didn't associate with anyone other than a Jew? Okay. Okay, so, so to them, there's no difference between their genealogy and their religion. The, their nation is a religious nation, so they are neighbors, right? They're, they're countrymen, but, but they're countrymen as Jews. There's two ways you can be a Jew. Now, you could be, you could be just a secular Jew. But to them, it was one and the same. And that's how they're hearing this statement. And remember, this is prophecy. So this is, this is given under the time where it would be very, you know, very much both at the same time. So, so you're no longer, why? So why in the Old Testament did they not teach each one, their brother, neighbor, to know God? They were given it at birth, right? They, 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 they were given it at birth. Now they grow up and they're circumcised. And so then at, you know, you do your bar mitzvah or whatever, then you start your formal studies to learn to know God because when you first became a brother, a, a Jewish person, you didn't have the ability to know anything. There's a religion that's very much like this today. It's called the Catholic Church. Right? Think, about, think about the similarities. You, you are baptized as an infant. Then what do you do? You go to what? Catechisms. Where you then, once you graduate and learn what you did as a baby... Then you're confirmed and have your first communion. And God says, that's not the order of ops in the New Testament, really. That's not the way it's designed. I don't teach anyone here know God because I assume, under the new covenant, I assume if we're in church as adults, as, 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 as Christians, you can't be a Christian unless you've already known God. Unless you've already come to that. Because Christianity is a covenant where you come to it by knowledge. You come to it through repentance and faith. And all of those things have to be present before you can be a part of it. You're innocent until then. It's not a necessary thing. An infant has no need to know God or, or to make decisions or to be baptized or all of those things. Those are, those are not a part of the baby's world. When you're older and you learn about God, then you become a brother. And at that point, then I don't have to teach you. No, God. No, I already knew that. I already figured that out. So, so that's, that's a, one of the, the primary ideas of the New Testament. And it's a superior system, isn't it? You can see how that's superior. What's another idea in here? Of note. Okay. What? 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 
What does my mind do when I hear that statement? Why would you make a covenant that was wrong and you knew it? So, so what kind of God does that? Like, oh, man. What's that? Give a contrast. Okay. And the fault was not with God. It was with the people on the other side of the covenant. It was with us. Okay, so, so the, the, the problem, and, and we're going to get into the, the, pro, the real problem was, was the people, not the maker of the covenant. But, but there was some design flaw. Do we ever teach our kids things that are not true? And then come back and say, well, that wasn't really true. And and I'm not talking about maliciously. I'm not talking about in a moral sense. But sometimes we teach things in an inaccurate. It's it's simplified to try to. You're supposed to close your eyes when you pray. Not true. But what are we trying to do? We're 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 trying to get them not to like goof off with their friends across the the aisle. So we just kind of. When they're older, they'll get it. You know, they're not going to be forty-year-olds right, across the aisle at church. But we we uh, we kind of teach them little things. I learned I learned in in science class. I learned that an atom is it looks like this little ball, and it's got these neat things. And and guess what? And I started studying when I got older, and I said that that's not what it actually looks like. And you get into all these weird science stuff that's up here. But but I that's basically a concept that we teach kids in science class in fifth grade and sixth grade and seventh grade that gives them kind of the idea of how atoms work. It's rudimentary and it's not accurate. But it serves the purpose to try to teach all of that science stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm not even gonna Okay. I'm not even going to get into that. But the fact that if not for us, the first covenant could have worked if we had not screwed up. Because I mean you look at like the Ten Commandments and basically how to live, how to treat your how to treat your fellow man and how to treat God. You know, he laid out all the things of how he wanted our hearts to be and mm-hmm. how he wanted us to treat each other and how to serve God, and we failed pretty miserably at that. Right. So it's not that it wasn't good. It was good. But there, like you said, there was some, I guess it depended too much on, on our ability to obey. And right. So there are things that it could, do. yes. You know, the other side of that would be, well, why didn't God know that? Right. He did. He knew that was the way it was going to be. Why did he let it be that way? Right. So, so let me kind of combine those thoughts. I think that there is a certain degree of truth to what you say, Mark, in, in that it could, had our hearts been better, it could have, we, we could have lived a certain type of life and fulfilled certain requirements, right? Um, and done so adequately. Now, I know that because Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled the law. That was his intent, and he came here, and he did it, and he was perfect. Uh, 
The problem then remains that it had no solution for what happens when it had no permanent solution. And it was designed, and I think we then get to your point, why did God do that? And I think the idea is that much like we're talking about kind of what you teach a child, it might be inaccurate or whatever, it's because that's what they can handle at the time. And humanity was young. It was infantile in terms of its... Comp- Jesus couldn't have come down, I don't think, in the garden to Adam and Eve and explained everything and, and ha- them go, makes perfect sense. I-, I think there was too much foundational information that had to be built up. So God starts and says, uh, Hero Israel, I am one God. Just let's handle that. Right? Handle this baby concept. And then, and then we'll explain later about you know, Trinity and all that stuff, right? So, so all of these concepts, as you go through the Old Testament, and even in the Old Testament, they're, they're starting to build on concepts. Oh, now I'm going to explain Yahweh, and now I'm going to explain this, and I'm going to explain, now I'm going to add law to it, and now we're going to add some, you know, more concrete things, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and you see layers and layers of foundation until we come to the New Testament. Uh, because it, humanity has to kind of come along, Right? Uh, if you had a time machine, hey, let's say you just had a time machine, and you went back a thousand years and took an automobile with you, right, and dropped that bad boy, you know, on on some, uh, like, you would blow their minds. They could not handle the concepts that go into an automobile. I, I don't care who the smartest guy was, or the smartest inventor, the smartest whatever. They, they couldn't handle that amount of information either that or you'd be worshipped as a god right because because they would just think it's magic they 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 couldn't explain well in in a few thousand years we're going to discover oil and that's what makes this baby run and like all the things that go into that we we just assume we get into our car we pump gas we don't and we don't think a thing of it, but all of these are based on assumptions that we have, having grown up in a world that's built layer and layer and layer and layer and layer of information. Right? That's how humanity works, and I, I think that's spiritually how, how we work. So that would mean that... So I'm, I'm just going to challenge the thought a little bit, because sure. that would mean that our spiritual understanding of God in our lifetime is limited built on the technology or sayings or philosophy of prior generations. Sure. I don't think think it's a correct analogy. How's that? Because I don't think that anyone that lived in the Old Testament required any more time to understand what God wanted them to understand. I agree with that. They could understand it in their lifetime. That's why you can't, I don't think it's good to take the analogy of an automobile and go back no. in time and all that, because it is, our knowledge, our technology is built on generations past, and refining and understanding, but theirs is not. In other words... Can, can I, I understand what you're saying, and let me, let me explain what I mean more clearly. I'm not saying that we've come to it naturally. That would be the difference. We've come to technology naturally. I don't, I'm not saying that, that we've come to our spiritual understanding naturally, because we couldn't. Those things are revealed by God. What I'm saying is, I'm saying that's human development works a certain way. 
We, we can't just absorb immediately everything. And I don't think Abraham, I don't think David, I don't think any of them could have been given. And I'll explain, I'll explain why. I, 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 we'll get into scripture that, that we'll get there. Um, Right. But why? But why? That's the because why. Because there needed to be a second covenant. And it, there needed to be a fulfillment of something. And Jesus had to be the fulfillment that's, of that. But that's a, so that's a circular argument. Why does it need to be there? Because, it's, because it needs to be there. No, I'm saying... No, that's not what I said. What I said is, Jesus needed to come here and fulfill something. Well, why? Well, what do you mean, why? Why did he need to come here and fulfill something? We assume that because there's an Old Testament. That's why I'm saying it's circular. We, we assume that Jesus had to come and fulfill something because the Bible tells us that. But if the Bible hadn't told us that, then he wouldn't have but needed to. in the Old Testament, to me, points toward Jesus. The whole point of the Old Testament, I will be their God and they will be my people, is not talking about Israel. It's talking about Christianity coming hundreds of years later. Right, right. But I'm saying, why does he, why does he give that statement? This, this is, I'm, trying, I'm trying to explain why that's a circular argument. That statement's in the Old Testament. Why is it there? Because it needs to be there for him to fulfill. Why does, that need, why does it have to be there for him to fulfill? Because it's written in the Old Testament. See, it's, it's I'm going around in a big circle. Yes. And, it, and again, I'm not going to go into God's reasoning because he says at just the right time, whatever time that was, I don't, I don't know what, what, what the timeline was for, like, okay, Jesus, it's your time to come now. Um, but there was enough awareness of sin and enough history and enough whatever that had gone by for Jesus' coming to make the most impact on the world. For, for whatever God's purpose was. Yep. And then they are able to acknowledge Correct. Like the, the magnanimity of, of what Jesus was doing. Yep. Yeah, me, so, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 6 right there in Hebrews that leads off to that. He's... Yes. Yep. Talking, again, a comparison of the covenants. So, so I don't believe that they were, it was a mistake like on God's part. That, that's, I think God... I think God put a design flaw in there, right? I, I, because this is necessary for this time. This is what this people needs. We're going to get to what I want. Yes? Um, the old covenant wasn't for everybody, was it? No, no. Now, I mean, in a sense, it was uh, like if you, you could proselytize to it and God would accept that. And if you were going to be right with God in your understanding, then then that was the, the means by which you 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 were going to do that. Otherwise, you were just kind of like, live by your conscience and God will sort it out later. Uh, you know, in times, in times past, God overlooked ignorance, but now commands all men to repent. That, that idea, uh, it was just, just for them primarily. That's why it wasn't very evangelistic. So I want to turn to Galatians. There's, there's a lot more. Uh, actually, before we, before we turn there, I want to look at one thing. 
uh, one concept that is uh, important. Uh, he says, uh, uh, where did it go? Uh, in verse 5, he says, These serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. He's talking about in the Old Testament. Now, I want to look at that picture because uh, we have even a phrase, foreshadowing. I want you to think about a shadow and how it works. How, does, how, how, do, how do we have no shadow today? Uh, how, do we, how, how does a shadow work? You have to have light. Okay, so I, I have a light source. We'll, we'll put this as point one, right? What comes next? Okay, I have to have an object. That's point two, right? And what's point three? Okay, so, so I, have, I, have this, I have this shadow over here. It's, it's on a surface of some sort, right? Now, consider the way that he says this. They serve a shadow of things to come. In God's mind, the substance is the New Testament. And in God's mind, therefore, the substance comes first. The shadow is last. Even though time, in time, as we look at it, the the shadow came first, the, the Old Testament came first. In God's mind, that's not how it worked. In God's mind, it wasn't, it wasn't I've made a mistake, I'm going to have to repair the mistake. In God's mind, the secondary thing was the Old Testament. That was secondary. God's mind, and this all wraps up into the ministry of Christ. Right? This is all about the ministry of Christ. That's what, that's what we read here in verse uh, glasses. Um, in verse 6, but Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry to the, to the degree that he's a mediator of a better covenant, which is given on better principles. It's all about Christ. I want you to go back to the statement where he says that Christ was slain from the foundations of the world. Right? That from the foundations of the world, that was the object. That was the thing. That's, this is the immovable object. This is the real substance. And, and in a weird way, the thing that comes first in time is secondary to God. That's not the primary thing to God. That's going to be there as a, a shadow of things to come, which doesn't make sense. That's you never have a shadow before an object. I think that's so let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. Because this gets into the development of humanity. As a, as a, uh, in verse 15, uh, <coughs> David, you want to read uh, verse 15 through 24. Again, a little bit longer, but these are kind of have some... Uh, more concrete, uh, complex ideas. Galatians three fifteen through 24. Okay, so brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confined, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He does not say into seeds as of many, but as of one, into your seed who is Christ. This I say is the law, which has 430 years later not annulled the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. 
For if inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for only one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture was confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Okay, so the couple of concepts that are repeated here from, from Hebrews. Uh, and um, we see again this, this time and the, the, with respect to Christ. That's the first thing I noticed. Here's a promise. The promise was about the seed. And in this text and in the larger text, it says the seed not referring to many, but referring to one. That's Christ. So, so the promise was always about Christ. That came before what? It came before the law. So, so the law was not what God wanted. Christ is what God wanted. That's the object. That's, that's this, the, the real important aspect. Always that's, that's what God has envisioned, is this perfect <coughs> method of atonement. Uh, so, so it was added, and this gets back to Mark, what you were saying, in, in terms of the law was, it, it's, it's weak, and it, the weakness of it really primarily has to do with humanity. So, so there's that aspect, but then we, we see again a repetition of this idea that even basic virtue was not going to be enough. That, that wasn't going to be enough. It, it, it's good enough for them to start establishing some basic principles, but it was never going to be enough. It wasn't designed for that. It didn't have the capacity to do that. But he says it was what? It was a tutor. It was, it was some remedial help for people with remedial skills. I was just going to bring up that same topic, Andrew, because the translation that David read says tutor, but mine says, says guardian. Okay. And I think of those as maybe one goes a step farther than the other. As a tutor, I think of somebody who's helping me understand something. Okay. But guardian to me means not only am I going to help you understand, but I'm going to protect you. Okay. So, so that goes to their education system back then, uh, and where you would have rabbis and you would send your, your young child off to a rabbinical school. Some say schoolmaster. Uh, some, some translations that they're all correct because... The rabbi was all of those. You sent them off, and you saw them when they were done. And he was the principal. He was the instructor. He was the guardian. He was all of that. So, so people argue over <laughs> which translation is correct, and it's like they're all correct. Uh, they, they knew nothing, and they're going off and, and learning and being protected and guided and everything by this rabbi that you've entrusted to because he's got to get him from this point where remember we go back to the 
we've got to teach you what you did when you were a baby. We've got to get them from there to, to being educated as an adult, to know the law and to be able to, to, to know all of these concepts for himself as an adult human. So he says, so the law was there for a purpose. It was to get us from down here to a point where why? Where we could accept Christ. We couldn't accept Christ. Yeah, we, we couldn't. You're talking about people that were still struggling with worshiping cows. You're not going to drop Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit on these people and have them grasp that concept and go, God, they're just going to throw Christ on the shelf with Baal and all Ashtoreth and all. It's going to be just another one on the shelf. It's going to appear like polytheism to them. They can't, they've got to have a basic concept and accept the basic concept. After Babylon, read the, there's not that many books written. They're all very small. After Babylon, and the one thing you will find in all of them, there's no mention of idolatry. They finally got it. And as I said, here we are. We're, we've got 500 years and only a couple of teeny tiny books. God's like, hey, you finally learned it. You finally learned some basic lessons. We're going to go into the transition phase. Uh, here's some basic moral things that you guys need to, to handle. But we're kind of there now. And that becomes that perfect time where God's like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. So, Andrew, I see this as from an engineering standpoint. That's the law was designed Rev 1, knowing that that's not going to get you to the ultimate goal, but it serves the needs of the time. And then you need a Rev 2, and that would be the new covenant. Okay. And then with the ultimate goal, getting to Christ. Right. And that's, that's, the, that's the one without engineering flaws. Right? There's no design flaws in there, but, and, and it... it, it it is designed for us being able to do anything and everything that we're supposed to be able to accomplish. And I don't particularly like the idea of flaws. I right. look at it as, okay, design one is what it needs to be right. at the time, right. get the job done. Yeah. And then you refine it. Right, but you with, can't... With you, improvements. You can't <coughs> use that for what you want down the road. Right. It's no different than what we're trying to do. Sure. Like you can't take one element of the entire system and say that's the system, right? Right. Like, right. Just like what Dave says, it's like think of I, I totally get what he's saying. It's a we're looking at it from an engineering perspective. It's an entire project. The Bible, the whole whole New and Old Testament would be the project, right? It's implemented in phase one and phase two. Right. Mm -hmm. First phase, and it's not complete, right? It's not the whole thing that. We're never going to get through all of these. These are long passages. Um, I, however, I'm not going to come back to them next week. Um, the, we've actually been talking a lot about these. We've talked about uh, Exodus 20. We've talked about the concept of basic morality, what it was trying, the law was trying to do. Um, Genesis 6, we've talked about the basic idea of monotheism. First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, the, the encouragement, again, in basic virtue. I do want to look at, and even this one we've looked at, but Romans chapter 8. Um, 
and verse 1 through 4. Um, I do want to look at that one because this is kind of, again, some of those deeper concepts. And uh, Michelle, could you read verse 1 through 4? All right, uh, so, so this kind of gives us the foundation of, of what we, we kind of began almost talking about, that the, the weakness of the, the law is not the law. Really. It, it's not flawed in that sense. Uh, when I say flaw, I mean that, that God, like, like, you, like you talked about, David, that, that it's, it's designed to do a thing, but we look at it as a, as flawed in the sense that it could not do what we would like it to do today, right? What, what God wants it to do, it's, it's inadequate for that purpose. Um, yet God does use the idea of flaws. He says if it had been faultless, he wouldn't have sought a second. Uh, so, uh, so there is that, that idea, not that God is flawed, just that God made a thing to do a thing. And that's all it's good for. But we get into the problem with it is us. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at, I guess, like how righteousness was obtained in the two different covenants. And righteousness right. in the first covenant was by how you obeyed the law, mm-hmm. which did not even bring life. And then you came righteousness in the second covenant. Through grace, by grace, through faith. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not your own doing that you're doing it. So there's, there's just two fundamental differences by, by how, and it, and it and in, in a large part, takes that off of the bus because it's not that good. Yeah. And, and that goes, that kind of goes back to the statement in Hebrews where he says it's, it's, um, it's not just a new covenant. He says it's a new type of a covenant. In other words, it, it it's not just, uh, you know, I, I was really saddened when I, you know, learning as a, as a kid how many cars are actually the same exact car. And it's like, that, I thought they were completely, I thought this, no, they're, they're really the same thing. And you've just taken off, we've just taken off some of these, slapped these panels on, they look a lot nicer. You know, they're really... You know, Mustang and a Pinto, same thing. I mean, maybe this one has a slightly better engine. A lot of it's the same stuff. Of course, that was back in the 80s. But, like, oh, yeah, I guess I can kind of see that now. You know, it's like, those are basically the same car. Uh, And this is not that. This is not, well, we're just going to take off some of the panels off of the Old Testament and slap some new ones on, and we've got the New Testament. And it's all going to function the same way. This is, it, it's, a, it's a completely different structure. It no, it's no longer about, the, there are rules, but th- that's not what it, the structure is. The structure is on principles. The structure is on ideas now. 
You've got to know some principles and start to be able to apply those principles to different situations and scenarios. What should I do here? What should I do there? Well, do you know this principle? Do you know this principle? Do you know this principle? They all work in this, in this situation. You'll come to the answer. Oh. It's no longer, but who is my neighbor? Right? Those, ah, oh, the technicalities. Who is my neighbor? Here, let me give you some principles, and you figure out who the neighbor is. So that, that's how the New Testament works. It's, it, it's a superior, all around, it's a superior product. So, any other thoughts as we close? All right, you're dismissed.